Well, it looks like a Thanksgiving by Zoom for many Americans next week as the virus numbers continue to rise. I tell you, there's going to be a lot of leftover turkey, isn't there? And the fear of more lockdowns are giving the market some jitters today, even though there is an end in sight. And that's all in the sunny uplands of 2021. Getting there seems to be the main influence today. And the Aussie dollar perhaps taking a hit because of concerns over relations with China. And Brexit talks temporarily halted by a negotiator with the virus. But the pound is behaving behaving like the answer is just days away. Maybe it is. It's Friday, the 20th of November, 2020. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, the US dollar has gained a little today, not much, just a smidgen. The Aussie dollar, though, is down 0.4%. The pound down 0.3%. Equities are mixed. The Nasdaq is up half a percent. The S&P and Dow, Dow are both down, 0.3% down for the Dow. The Nasdaq has been helped by a 1.8% rise in Tesla and a half percent rise in Microsoft. We've got bigger falls in Europe, where the Eurostoxx 50 is down almost 0.9%. The FTSE is uh, 0.8% down. 10-year Treasury yields down two basis points. On oil down, close to 1% down for WTI and Brent. So we've got a few things to talk about as we round off the week. We've still got Friday to get through, of course, first of all. Uh, but here's Gavin Friend, Senior Market Strategy just at NAB in London. So this reversion to tech stocks and the dollar gaining a bit of ground and equities down, it feels like risk off again, isn't it? I guess, uh, you know, even though we've got the uh, the promise of uh, 2021 being so much brighter, it's those virus numbers, isn't it, in the United States and the and the lockdown fears that, that, that come with that and the damage that they're going to do to the economy in the meantime. Good morning, Phil. I think uh, you've hit the nail on the head. It's exactly what it is. And it's the ferocity of the, of the numbers in the US. We can we can debate that Europe, you know, which is a few weeks uh, earlier along the curve seems to be getting on top of it. We've got signs of the daily caseload there either plateauing or in some cases actually falling. Even in the UK, we might be slightly optimistic. Uh, he said, holding his nose, that uh, things are starting to stabilise. Things are starting to work early days. But in the US, where take-up has been a little bit more uh, lacklustre, I think it's fair to say, um, you know, um, markets are just looking at the ferocity of this and worrying about what this is going to do to the economy. You can see that the market feedback, sorry, you can see that the market reaction function is very much, um, you know, soon as you start to see uh, restrictions coming in, you know, and we know we can look at uh, what uh, New York is doing with the schools. The market sells off. It's yeah. it's it's the feed through to what it does to the economy. So I think at the end of the day, the market well aware of all this good news coming through from Pfizer and others, AstraZeneca for next year. It needs to see that the US and others are on top of this, that that infection curve seems to be rolling over. We don't have that evidence no, yet. And I, I think quarter of a million uh, deaths was a bit of a psychological number, wasn't it? It's now over 257,000. There's 174,000 new cases on Wednesday, uh, 79,000 in hospital now, more than ever before, 15,000 in intensive care. So that's why they're closing schools and lockdowns happening uh, in 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 more places as well and you know at the federal level not a lot done because uh, not much is being done by the president sitting in the white house at the moment so that uh, that makes the situation that much worse and you can expect you know as night follows date sadly um, as these case numbers go up hospitalizations are likely to rise and therefore 
that is the that is the thing that's going to get um, you know the regional states and authorities into taking up more restrictions, and thereby the market can say because of that market reaction function that it's not going to like it. Um, but we, we, we've got to simply just got to get through that before the markets can be a little bit more. You know, focused on the um, on on the cavalry that's coming down in twenty twenty one. Yeah, and there's plenty of cavalry, isn't there? Because besides Moderna and uh, Pfizer, BioNTech, uh, you know, there is the news that uh, Oxford, AstraZeneca, their phase two trials, they're saying are working really well on people in their sixties and seventies, and their phase three trials are well on their way. We might have to wait a week or two before we get the results on that. But you know. Elsewhere, China's got their Sinopharm vaccine. They apparently, according to Wall Street Journal, they have already inoculated one million people with this. And the Sputnik vaccine is also in phase three trials as well. There's the Novavax uh, vaccine at stage three in the UK. Now, you know, some of these might be spurious claims, but the upshot is generally there's going to be no shortage of vaccines next year. As you say, we've just got to get there. But it's a confusing times, isn't it? Because although we're expecting good times and we know there's a downtime in the in the uh, a, a downside in the short term, we're seeing this uh, rotation back to non-cyclicals, aren't we? You know, it's, re- it's reversing back to where we were. So investors are actually taking a very short-term view, even though they know what to expect in the in the long term. Mm, yes, emotions are running high. And you can see in Thursday's US uh, jobless claims numbers, um, mm. things starting to deteriorate again now, 742,000 weekly claims up from... Well, it's up, up in the first time in five weeks from what was a post-pandemic low um, of 711,000 revised to 742,000. Um, the claims for gig workers, PUA, also rising 24,000. Continuing claims lower, but, you know, as we keep saying, part of that is because some citizens have worked through the entitlements and are shifting to other uh, schemes. And of yeah. course, we might be now saying, given the trajectory of the virus, uh, that this thing may well be, from a claims basis, these these may well have based for the moment and start to deteriorate and move higher yeah. uh, over the coming weeks as businesses, um, you know, move, move into lockdown. Yeah. And this is, of course, on top of the downside surprise that we saw on retail sales a couple of days ago as well. And then that, uh, you know, a bit of a fiscal cliff in that, uh, you know, that $300 enhanced unemployment benefit that Donald Trump signed off in back in August is available in many states, but it runs out on December the 27th. He's obviously not going to extend that. The same with the unemployment payments for gig and freelance workers as well. And to, and to, your, to your point, you, you, you might have thought that, that stuff like that, particularly things like retail sales, might nudge Mitch McConnell in the right direction. But, um, you know, the Senate's broken up now and uh, for Thanksgiving and uh, won't be coming back until afterwards. So no sign of that yet. Perhaps, perhaps, he <laughs> says... Um, we get the November payroll numbers in early next month, um, early in December. You know, if that number is ne- is negative, as it as is possible, that might be something that will jog people into into, into action. And yet the Philly Fed. Do we read much into that? The, uh, their, the their index, their number came out. It remains quite high. It's fallen, but only slightly for November. It's at twenty six point three. Anything over zero means conditions are improving. The average through two thousand and nineteen was only nine point nine. Now, obviously. It's improving from a very low base, but it was a good number. Very different to the New York Fed reading earlier in the month, which had a read of only 6.3 for, for November, which makes me wonder, 
do we take much credence mm. from these numbers? Well, of course, there are a number of these regional ones and we need to see the full deck really before we can start making assumptions on what it means for the ISM. The ISM readings have been holding up very well. But I did note to your point today that the employment reading within that uh, Philly Fed uh, release was was pretty punchy so you know some good news but the market's not really having it no, is it doesn't seem like it does it uh, look the, the but the market's also not really responding to those uh, aussie labor force numbers yesterday which were particularly strong unemployment was expected to fall by twenty eight thousand. it actually rose by one hundred and seventy nine thousand. we also had a, a higher participation rate which is, of course is a really good thing but it did mean that the unemployment rate rose a little but that makes that uh, number something we can discard really but uh, you know it didn't help the aussie dollar perhaps because it's been overshadowed by you know this uh, this ongoing spat between Australia and and China, which just seems to be going from bad to worse. Yeah, and of course, uh, because we've just talked about you know the state of the market generally today. You know, you get days where market moves yeah. into risk aversion. You know, you you start to get the dollar popping pop, popping back higher again. That's exactly what's happened today. I would suggest that the the big dollar, the US dollar, continues to be in a downward. Um, slide, but it's ever so gradual, and we've just had a bit of a, a pop back the other way, and that's really what's done it for the for the Australian dollar uh, on the day. Mm. In terms of the labour market numbers, I mean, surging e- employment there, one hundred eighty thousand jobs, as you say, split pretty much uh, evenly between full time and part time. The jobless rate, yes, it did rise at tenth, but uh, a tenth compared to quite a uh, you know sharp rise up in the uh, in the participation rate uh, to sixty. 65.8 from 64.9 so up almost a full percentage point as you said i mean that really is good news that people are coming back yeah. into the labor force if we look at that that participation rate that's almost back up to the sort of 66.1 uh highs of where we were prior to the virus outbreak actually if we exclude victoria which of course has been you know disproportionately hit because of the lockdowns there in melbourne um you know that 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 participation rate at 66.1 that's equal to the historical high uh, very good news indeed overwhelmingly uh positive um and underscores the sharp rebound uh, in economic activity in line with the things that we've been reporting in the NAB, consumer spending, mobility and jobs data. It's also encouraging that it comes even despite the tapering that's been seen in the uh, JobKeeper and JobSeeker program. So, you know, good new- a good news well, what story. What is the long-term story for exports? I wonder if we do find that this relationship with China turns sour because the uh, the foreign ministry in China is accusing the Australian government and the media of poisoning bilateral relations there's uh there's a concern that the the list of blocked exports is going to grow although you know interestingly uh iron ore prices are not uh, are not reacting to this so uh maybe everyone thinks it's a storm in a teacup but you know i'm reading the note from the bnz markets team this morning over in new zealand they're wondering whether new zealand's going to be in what they term it are they going to be in the naughty chair as well soon for speaking out against china but let uh, look brexit gavin let's do that is the deal close supposedly i'm reading 1800 pages of the agreement have already been drafted even though they've still got those three fundamental sticking points remaining but now negotiations have been halted because one of the senior negotiators on uh, michelle barnier's team has uh, tested positive for covid19 so you know uh, but a deal next week you reckon is that still is that still possible we're getting to that point where the media was becoming very enthusiastic about a deal in the next few days it looks like, in light of the 
um, virus outbreak into one one of the uh, negotiation team members that things are just going to take a little bit longer. I mean, I was quite uh, enthused by the fact that uh, Michel Barnier, the EU chief negotiator, had cancelled his briefings to EU leaders to, uh, today and even next Tuesday and Wednesday, which an optimist might read through as he feels that the, the discussions are going suitably well, that he has some other news for them, stuff that he needs to feed back, you know, reorientate before they actually uh, can, can, can sign on the, on the dotted line. Um, I think to your point, right, we're, we're right. We're going to just, this is a, a watch and wait situation. Um, time really is of the essence. Mm. If, if, if they want to get these 1800 pages that you talked about, uh, translated and then ratified that really needs to be done the deal needs to be done probably by the end of next next week so you know we're still yeah. optimistic that that's going to happen but COVID is last couple of days the pound is, is behaving as though something is something good is going to happen isn't it indeed indeed and the market senses as it did last October it doesn't want to get caught out by this and that's why mm. you know um, the bias seems to be for the market now for there to be a deal as, we, as we've been saying all and- along the EU Recovery Fund, what's the latest on that? Yeah, so EU leaders uh, are meeting um, via video as we speak. Um, I don't think it's likely that they're going to come up with a, an answer to this particular problem today. Uh, it's going to take uh, it's going to take a bit longer. Um, Angela Merkel is going to be wheeled out to try and broker some sort of agreement with Hungary and Poland. You know, who continue to sort of transgress some of these some of the issues. There, it is no secret that both countries have slipped towards sort of right wing authoritarianism. Over over the last mm. few years, uh, you know, with all sorts of restrictions on civil liberties. So can they just um, leave them political. out of it? Can they just say, well, OK, we're going to distribute these funds and, and not include Well, you? that's certainly something that France has been muting earlier, earlier today. That's quite complicated to achieve. And I don't think it would get full buy in from, 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 from the other 25 member states. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. So, so the bottom line is there is no way that the EU Commission and the other member states are going to allow Hungary and Poland to blackmail mail them uh, that avoids getting the shiny new recovery fund up and running i would say that the first disbursement of that is not is not due until until may june next year there is time there is time but obviously ratification needs to be had so uh, lots of debate to be had to to happen all right now look today japan cpi we get uh, uk consumer confidence and retail sales for october we also get consumer confidence for europe as well so there's a few numbers out there we get uh, china's loan prime rate uh, decision today as well retail sales Sales, preliminary numbers for Australia for October and September numbers for Canada. Uh, I guess out of all of that lot, you know, those uh, those uh, retail numbers for Australia are going to be pretty important, but plenty, certainly plenty to watch. Uh, good to talk, Gavin. Catch you again very soon. Thanks, Phil. Cheers. And that's it for another week. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. Back again on Monday morning. See you then.